if we can just look at the bright side of things, I think that's one advice that I have. You know, it, it may not sound that deep, but to me, that's the essence of life and seeing light in everything that happens. If you can do that in any situation, whether you're in oil and gas, you're trying to produce more oil and drill the best wells, or you're in another field, that type of perspective, I think, is a healthy perspective. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is a global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy, oil and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities both upstream and downstream without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risks. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review in iTunes. I need reviews, people. I need to know how you feel about the show whether you like it or not. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some OGGN laptop hard hat stickers, check out the show for a 10-second survey, and we'll get those shipped off to you. All right. I'm sitting here this afternoon with Dr. Nansen Solari, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Quantum Reservoir Impact. Hi, doctor. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Paige. Great to be here. Good, good. Dr. Solari, let's talk about how you began in the oil and gas industry. Well, it's a long story. I started my career. All my degrees are in chemical engineering, bachelor's, master's, PhD from University of Virginia. And actually, I did my doctoral thesis in genetics. And at that time, there was an oil crisis back. This was in the early 70s. Uh And I was very lucky that I interviewed Chevron and they offered me two jobs, one downstream, one upstream. Upstream looked very interesting to me, so that's how I started my career, with Chevron in research. I moved around globally and became, quote-unquote, a leader in reservoir management. So that's the beginning of my career with Chevron. Oh, fantastic. Well, what happened after Chevron? Well, after Chevron, I had a phenomenal time. And then I went to Saudi Aramco and I had a phenomenal experience in Saudi Aramco for more than 15 years. And I was head of reservoir management, probably the most exciting job in the oil and gas industry. (laughs) I was responsible for more than 10 million barrels of daily production. And even more interestingly for me, it was the ability to invent things, to do things. And that's why I'm extremely grateful for my experience with Saudi Aramco. Fantastic. So for those that don't know what reservoir engineering is, can you in a very simple way (laughs) explain what that is? 
Yeah, it's the engineering capability to extract oil from Mother Earth, okay? And mm -hmm. it has a lot of engineering associated with it. And reservoir engineering deals with probably the most critical aspects of that extraction process, which typically takes place thousands of feet underground. And how you do it makes a big difference because of all the hundred barrels that God gave us, typically the industry extracts about one third of it. Right. So there is an efficiency issue and that's where better technologies, better reservoir management practices make a big difference. And that basically made me who I am. The ideas that I brought with all the teams that I worked for played a big role. Very good. So let's talk about what QRI does. Well, what QRI does, its genesis is what I did in Saudi Aramco, in that we improved the efficiency of production. We improved the recovery percentages. And we did it in a metrics-based system. So that became the fundamentals of setting up this company called QRI, Quantum Reservoir Impact, is the industry's first metrics-based value creation enterprise. So that was back in 2007 when we established and I became the co-founder of the company with several of my colleagues, and the rest is history. Fantastic. All right, well, so let's kind of dive into leadership. What is leadership to you, doctor? Leadership to me, most importantly, is setting an example of what to do and of what not to do. I think of all the attributes that a leader can bring to the table, the number one attribute that I value most is that be an example, be an inspiration to others around you, both above you, around you, and people who are working for you. If you can say, or if they can say, Oh, look at Nansen. The way he does things is the way it should be done. That's the mark of a great leader, in my opinion. Very good. So do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had as a leader? Well, I have many examples. And well, I want to hear would, them all. <laughs> of course, we have time limitations. But what I would tell you is the examples of failure, when things really turn bad. That's when you define a leader. You know, and I can name, for instance, John Kennedy was the type of leader the U.S. was very lucky to have. Yeah. After the Bay of Pigs, what did he do? He took full responsibility. And that's why throughout my career in Chevron, in Aramco, and now in QRI, you have phenomenal successes. And when you have phenomenal successes, you don't actually need leadership. It's organically so much energy coming. Where you need leadership is when things are dark, when you drill a well and it's a failure. And can you step forward, take responsibility and turn it into a learning lesson? So that's what has happened with me throughout my career. The latest one was what happened to QRI during COVID. Yeah. Nobody was estimating and predicting what was going to happen with COVID, what the industry was going to do, what the governments were going to do. And it really threw a phenomenal 
multiple curveballs at people, at CEOs, at employees, and everybody. And the toughest days that I would say my leadership capabilities came through were in the dark days. Yeah, I think everybody had a really tough time. But as of Monday, I think COVID's officially over. Per the president. I'm so glad. <laughs> but I think COVID is like flu. Yeah. We have to live with it. We have to excel in the presence of COVID, in the presence of new generations of, of COVID. I think that's one big lesson that I think all societies have to appreciate. Yeah. So what do you find rewarding about being a leader? What do I find boring? No, rewarding. <laughs> oh, rewarding, because I can tell you many things that are boring as well. Actually, let's go there. Let's talk about what's boring. <laughs> well, that's very interesting because, you know, people think that, you know, when you run a company, you're the CEO, everything is so exciting. Yes, but with every exciting thing, there are a lot of routine things, boring things that have to be done. Absent those, machines don't work, planes don't fly. Yeah, It's the same thing in companies. There are so many things that we have to do as leaders, as employees, as community members that may not be so inspirational, but they're necessary for success. Yeah. Do you have an example of one of those things you have to do very often that your least favorite thing to do? Right. I mean, we have to check the balance sheet of the company what are we doing contractually? Are all the contracts being pursued? Are the customers happy? If they are bringing issues, how are they being handled? Some of those things, many of those things, they're not pleasant and they're not very inspirational or exciting, but yeah. they have to be done. You have to listen to customers, even if they are not right. In fact, it's even more important that you deal with your customers the people to whom you're trying to bring efficiency, innovation, new technologies, etc. It's so important that you bring that to them and you hear them out. Right, right. Okay, so what's the most rewarding? Most rewarding is to turn bad situations into success stories and taking average employees and making them phenomenal employees. And I have the experience now, several of our former employees have actually disengaged from a QRI, have gone on to bigger horizons. They've been very successful. And that makes me very proud because then I see that QRI is a nurturing ground for new talent. And that's what happened to me. I learned so much from the people in Chevron, from the people in Aramco, they gave me the opportunity to grow and they set the examples from which I benefited greatly. Yeah, and I think that's why mentors are so important. If you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be, doctor? <laughs> that's a deep one. I don't know, quite honestly. I say enjoy the moment, whatever is happening. And I said that even in covid at the dark periods of COVID, if we can just look at the bright side of things, I think that's one advice that I have. You know, it, it may not sound that deep, but to me, that's the essence of 
life and seeing light in everything that happens. If you can do that in any situation, whether you're in oil and gas, you're trying to produce more oil and drill the best wells, or you're in another field, that type of perspective, I think, is a healthy perspective. Okay. So do you have a book that's influenced you? Well, I have many books. Complexity is one that really fascinated me years back that I would say has impacted my thinking more than any other book. That's why I talk about complexity as a book. But I mean, right now, off the top of my head, I cannot think of any. (laughs) That's fine. So why did complexity influence you? The reason is this. Every issue that we look at is complicated, even those things that look very simple. And understanding an issue requires complex thinking. We have to have multilateral thinking in making the right judgments. And the book Complexity looks at the universe, the beginning of life, everything that happens, the reasons underneath it, and how everything that we look at, even social issues, have very complicated aspects to it. And that type of analysis has really impacted my thinking and my growth as a person. Very good. What's your most used business tool? Well, nowadays, I would say it's, it almost looks like an advertisement for MS Teams or Zoom. <laughs> but I would say MS Teams and Zoom, and maybe that's the impact of COVID, have become very, very important elements in productivity, in how I manage QRI. Because we're an international company, we're in the oil and gas uh, segment, we're a cloud-based, by the way, we're cloud-based because of Amazon, so I have to recognize the Amazon for giving us that capability. We're an AWS partner, we're an AWS energy competency partner, and also we use their cloud environment Of course, all of those things are gifts of the times we live in. They have some consequences, some disadvantages, but overall, they're great elements of efficiency. And I see that for QRI. Absent the digital capabilities and the cloud capabilities, we would have shut down QRI. Yet, we were able to function Even across 18 time zones, many of our employees were spread all across the globe. We were able to function because of the digital and cloud, secure cloud capabilities. Right, right. Yeah, definitely love AWS. They're actually the sponsor of our Energy Transition Solutions show with uh, Joe Batir. So we love those guys. All right. I don't know if this is necessarily applicable, but who's your most respected competitor? Well, we have many, but I don't want to name any. (laughs) You know, I I have to be very frank. As a CEO, I have certain responsibilities, and that's one of them. I don't want to let our competitors know who we watch most. Now, it's interesting that, as you indicated at the beginning, we're very much in oil and gas, But now we're moving into new territories, all related to oil and gas. And I guess we're going to have a new generation of competitors because we're going in the general clean energy 
arena, and we're going to become a major player there on the power of digital transformation and AI and advanced analytics, which is our core strength. But we're expanding our horizons outside of oil and gas. Okay, so how about this? What makes you better than your competitors? Well, we are the engines of extreme efficiency. I think our number one mission is to bring extreme efficiency to our clients. And we're very client-focused in that, in fact, we have nine values. The number one value that we have as a company is to create value for our clients, not for ourselves. I believe that if we create value, and in oil and gas, it's relatively straightforward. We increase production, we increase reserves, we increase capital efficiency using our advanced analytics and capabilities. If we can do it, we're creating value for our companies and organically it flows back to us. And now that we're in the age of digital transformation, we have a better platform to be able to do that. And because we're an advanced analytics and AI firm, that gives us an even higher capability of doing that. So that would be my take on that. Very good. Very good. What is your most important lesson learned throughout your career? I think I'm going to come back to what I said before. The most important lesson is that we're all vulnerable. We all make mistakes. The most important thing is to learn from your biggest mistakes. Okay? If you can do it, then you become more and more evolved, more and more capable. And that's what happened with COVID, by the way. I lived it, that COVID taught us so many lessons at so many levels. That's one thing that strikes me. The concept of facing bad situations over which we have very little control, and yet by adapting to the realities, understanding the mistakes we made, and turning it into a success. Very good. So why is your role now important to the future of oil and gas? I think right now oil and gas is in a challenging period. Many think the future lies in decoupling from oil and gas. I am of the opposite viewpoint. I believe oil and gas is necessary in maintaining the quality of life that humanity has achieved in increasing the quality of life. So what you need for future generations, including the current generations, is abundant energy, affordable energy, and energy that is earth nurturing. These are the three qualities that are necessary for the world. Now, some people think that there are other ways of bringing energy other than fossil fuels. There could be, but they have to satisfy those three criteria. They have to be abundant, they have to be affordable, and they have to have a nurturing positive impact on the environment and Mother Earth. And today, oil and gas and fossil fuels provide a very strong element in this direction. Now, we should not be coupling the idea that, oh, we have to get rid of fossil fuels as the path forward to clean energy. 
because the issue is one of managing net greenhouse gases. That's the adverse component that's been historically a disadvantage in energy production. And yet today we have new technologies that can take care of the greenhouse gas very effectively. And that's why as we transition to new energy forms, including hydrogen and including other forms like solar, Mm -hmm. I believe fossil fuels, particularly oil and gas, could be a very important player. In fact, one of the strategic partnerships that we have, I mentioned that we have a strategic partnership with Amazon Web Services, but we also have a strategic partnerships with two other companies. One of them is Omnus Fuel Technologies. They are introducing a breakthrough capability in transforming oil and gas into clean hydrogen with net zero environment. Nice. And that's where new technologies, new innovations, and new thinking comes in. Yeah, I agree with all of that. So what are your thoughts about telling someone that's about this industry that doesn't quite understand it? Well, we have to educate people. That's what I do with my family, with my children, in our circle, and in all the industry conversations. Let's talk scientifically. What is it that we would like to have? What is it that we would like to avoid? And right now, there's quite a bit of misconception regarding oil and gas. And somehow, the notion that oil and gas is not compatible with a clean environment, with net zero, is the wrong concept. Right. And it's not scientifically based. That's why we have to address the issue. People talk about decarbonization, for instance. And now decarbonization is, again, it's a wrong concept. Right. Because the planet is carbon. Human beings are carbon. Human beings, the human body is 18.5% carbon. So getting rid of carbon is not a viable, is not a reasonable concept at all. What we're worried about is GHG, the greenhouse gas, the emissions. That's an engineering problem. Let's address it as an engineering problem. Let's set a target of net zero. Right. Let's see how we can achieve it affordably and in a way that's actually nurturing the planet. What I'm advocating here is going beyond net zero. I'm advocating a a philosophy that says technology and corporations, including oil and gas corporations, can actually enable a future in which not only we're operating in net zero and providing energy, but we're doing it in such a way it's good for Mother Earth. For instance, this Omnis Global Technologies one of the byproducts of converting fossil fuels to hydrogen is natural topsoil, which is very good for the topsoil of Mother Earth. Another byproduct is high value carbon products like graphite and graphene. Again, for the electric society, these are very important elements. Right, right. All right. Do you have a favorite podcast? Well, on that one, I have a favorite one, and that's my daughter, Christine Abeo. She's my daughter. She just published a book, so she does occasionally podcasts. Of course, 
I have a bias in it. It's a completely <laughs> non-technical. But when you tell me a podcast, in fact, I was telling her this morning that, you know what, I'm going to have a podcast today. <laughs> so she was amused. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And congratulations to your daughter. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining me, Dr. Tuleri. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about QRI, how might they go about doing that? Well, you can go to our website, qrigroup.com. Okay. And all the information is there. And you're on Twitter, right? I am also on Twitter. And we also have, as I mentioned, two, actually three partnerships. One with Omnis, I mentioned. The other one with Amazon. And Another one, which is very important, I should have mentioned it, is with IWS. It's an Infinity Water Solutions. And again, it's part of this new energy world that we're creating. What they do, they manage water because with oil and gas production, you produce lots of water and that water is considered waste material, whereas it's a very valuable commodity to humanity, beginning with... Texas, beginning with America. So they have developed the technologies in taking this waste material and turning it into a resource. And again, we're their strategic partners with AI, advanced analytics. That's why I'm bringing them up as part of this new energy horizon that we're getting into. Awesome. Well, I'll put links to everybody's websites in there. So if anybody's curious, they can check them out. All right. Well, that concludes this episode, so just remember it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.